Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Nick, before we get into the current state of this BK squad, how have you been this last week, baby bro? Are you talking about the Burger King squad? Because no. Burger King just came out with the Chiking sandwich, and they're offering a free Whopper if you buy a Chiking sandwich. I did not know that. When I said BK, I was talking about Brooklyn, not Burger King. This is not a fast food podcast. Okay, well, you know, some people call it fast casual. Uh, This weekend was pretty great for me, besides the Nets basketball game. I went to a year hall in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, called Spritzenhaus, which is German. I forgive the Germans for what they did a long time ago. That's why I do go to German establishments. Not all Germans are bad, contrary to popular belief. So had a couple brewskis, slapped a couple juiskis, didn't do that. I'm Jewish, wouldn't do that, especially in a German beer hall. But solid weekend overall, uh, besides the main topic of this podcast. Yeah, no, I, uh, I was sick all weekend. I got a vicious throat cold. I haven't had a cold in like a few years. I, f- I never get sick. Uh, the doctors think it's it's amazing. I go there every year for my checkup. They're like, have, how have you felt? I'm like, I feel great. Nothing bothers me ever. So got a cold this past weekend, kicked my arse. I was eating hot and sour soup and drinking chamomile tea for like three days straight. My nose was full of mucus. I was coughing a lot. You guys don't want to hear this. Um, but it actually happened right after the game three loss against Milwaukee. I went to my buddy's apartment in Hoboken. Shout out Toots McNulty. Uh, we watched That's the first not his half. real name. We watched the first half at his apartment, and then the second half we went to a bar called the 8th Street Tavern. Um, weirdly enough, it was like the first time I was at a bar in the last year. I really haven't gone out a ton since uh, quarantine ended. But it's so ironic because you drink more than anybody I know. Yeah, I, I like to uh, I like to consume some alcohol uh, on occasion. But, yeah, we're at the bar. I'm screaming at the TV. Um, probably made a fool out of myself. And, and of course, they, they lost that game. So we'll, we'll actually get into the game itself. But watching that game and, and watching them lose the way they did, it made me physically ill for the next three days. Yeah, that was definitely the root cause of it. Uh, if I just left the room, by the way, to close my window, if you guys hear some sort of vibration, they're doing construction literally in the house next to me or the building next to me. They're building a gourmet laundromat. So there you go. Sounds excellent and expensive. Uh, the only issue with me having a cold is everybody kept telling me I have COVID and I'm like, bro, I'm vaxxed and I could get COVID. I know it's possible. You have the variants out there. Shout out Loki. He's a variant. That was pretty good. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just, it was a throw cold. It's pretty much gone now. Um, and I got to get better because game five is later today when the episode airs. And I'm not sure where I'll be sitting, but I will be in attendance for game five, Nick. Yeah, no, I want the uh, everyone to know that Spencer scored tickets 
to the Nets game, game five against the Milwaukee Bucks in a two-two series. We don't, we don't have to get listen. into it. We don't have to Spencer get into scored, it. No, Spencer scored free tickets on behalf of Fireside Nets. Who is Fireside Nets? Okay, let me see. It's Spencer, my brother, and it's myself, Nick. We we make up the Fireside Nets podcast. Now, did Spencer getting the tickets on behalf of Fireside Nets ask me if I'd like to attend the game? No, I. But I asked you for game two. No, you asked me to pay a lot of money for game two as also the backup option to your first choice to go to the game. I'll, you, I'll tell, I'll tell you this. Hey, the person who offered me the tickets messaged Spencer Harris directly. They did not message the Fireside Nets listen, Twitter. You can put your girlfriend, Victoria, I love her, before me in any situation in your life. In any situation. You guys want to get dinner, go out for drinks. Hell, you know, don't even come to my birthday party, but you get two free tickets on behalf of Fireside Nets and you take her instead of me. You know, I'm going to watch the game on Tuesday night for my home. I could have more than two tickets. I got to see what the deal is. Okay, yeah, thanks, bud. Feels good. Anyway. And anyway, let's move on, Nick. Um, the reason we are now at game five is because we, we lost games three and four. By the we way, will, if you guys yes. if you guys disagree with Spencer's decision, feel free to comment uh, in the on the fireside tweets. Let him have it. Tell him how much of a shitty brother and friend and co-host he is. Thank you. All right, are we done? Could we could we move past this uh, unfortunate circumstance? Speaking of dicks, if you want to shave your pubes, manscaped.com. Okay, manscaped.com has everything from ball trimmers to ball cleaners to ball sprucers, really anything you need ball-related or just around the crotchal region, manscaped.com takes care of you. It is upscale. It is high quality. It'll get the job done. You won't have that itch, that burn, that rash after. Spencer has a huge rash because he used the uh, wrong product the other day. He's also a dick if I didn't mention that before. Manscaped.com for anything um, trimming and grooming related. Use code FIRESIDE in all capital letters. That's F-I-R-E. S-I-D-E, Fireside, for 20% off all products from manscaped.com. If you find yourself in a hairy situation, like this ticket issue between me and Nick, you'll want to use Manscaped. It'll make your night a lot better. Fireside is the promo code, F-I-R-E-S-I-D-E, all in caps. All right, we get to the game. Can we get to the game? Well, before we get to the game, the series is tied 2-2. The Bucks have won two straight. Are we panicking right now with with the injured Kyrie Irving who will not play Game Five? James Harden's st- James Harden's status is sort of up in the air right now. Nash left the door open um, for his potential return in Game Five, but nobody really knows right now. Are we super panicked, or are we going to stay patient and keep faith in this team? How are we you feeling, be, Nick? We can't be patient. We, we, we can't lose this swing game in game five. If we do want our last leg, there is no time for patience. Okay? The world is panicking on this Brooklyn Nets team. Every article is talking about this team going down the drain. Every article is saying Durant can't carry the team on his back. 538, we were minus 500 or over 500. Maybe minus 530 money line to win this series. Even going into game four, up 2-1. Now that we lost Kyrie, or now that Kyrie hurt himself, that jumped to a pick'em against the Bucks. This series is now a pick'em. We were the favorite to win the championship. We're now the fifth favorite to win the championship. If I remember correctly, it goes Suns, Jazz, Clippers, Sixers, us, percentage-wise, to bet on who's going to win the NBA championship. So 
asking us if we can panic versus stay patient. We have to panic and we have to pull moves out of our ass. Steve Nash has to make a game time decision. So my prediction for the game tonight, for game five back in Brooklyn, I'm not going to tell you the game, the prediction for who's going to win is that he activates James Harden early because this is a win season. This is a championship contention season. We have worked our ass to get here. We have battled through more injuries, more drops and pickups and, 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 acquisitions and G League and international player pickups of any team in a long time. And we need to make it to the championship, if not win this year. And everyone is rooting and depending on that. So I think Steve Nash, whether it's the, the, the safest and healthiest thing to do, will activate James Harden for game five. Okay. Um, I am not pushing the panic button. This team still has home court advantage. Uh, we'll get into our actual predictions later in the podcast for game five. But I still think this team's going to win the best of seven series. It's a best of three right now. Um, Milwaukee has to win one on the road. I also think that, and we'll get into this in two seconds, but I think Milwaukee played their best game offensively in game four. And I think we might have played our worst game offensively in game four. So Nash is going to make the proper adjustments with no Kyrie and possibly no James Harden. Kevin Durant will be ready to lead this team to victory. And... I'm just not panicked. Uh, you know, I, I put this on on the Fireside Nets Twitter, but you never underestimate the heart of a champion. Kevin Durant is a two-time world champion. Nobody on the Bucks, if if I'm thinking about this correctly, has won a championship. So that's where my faith lies. Um, let's move on. Let's dive into that game four loss on Sunday. Obviously, you know, and, and the final score was Bucks 107, Nets 96. The big storyline from this one, Kyrie Irving goes up for a layup in the second quarter, drills the layup, ankle comes down on Giannis Antetokounmpo's foot, sprains the ankle or steps on it, as the kids say, pretty badly. Uh, he was down in pain for a few minutes, and he was done for the rest of the, rest of the game. X-rays were negative on his ankle, but you could just – Tell that once that injury occurred, all the momentum and the drive and the energy that the Nets had in that game, it, it just left. And the, the Bucks used it to their advantage. Uh, they stomped all over the Nets for the rest of that game. Let's start with the injury itself, Nick. Did you think, and I saw this on Nets Twitter, that that was a dirty play by Giannis oh. to not get out of the way of Kyrie landing? No, not at all. First of all, I think these calls where jump shooters land on the defender's feet are 99% of the time bullshit. Do I think you need to give someone proper landing space? Absolutely. But they're making these calls when a, when a shooter shoots forward and jumps three feet and spreads his legs fully apart and then nips your toe on the three feet where, where, he, where he jumped out from, right? Chris Middleton got that call the other day where he shot it, and as soon as he jumped, his front foot went forward two feet onto – it must have been either either Bruce Brown or Shamit's foot. Might have even been Kyrie, and he uh, uh, fell, and he got the he got three shots out of it. And to me, what, what, where do you want the person to go? Does that mean anytime somebody jumps up to shoot it, the defender sprints in the other direction just to give you, no matter where you land, no matter which way you jump or fall, you have nobody around you? So first of all, that call is very flawed and it's inconsistent. Second of all. That's that's a jump shooter. That's mostly around the perimeter. They make those calls, or even you know someone in the mid range. You can't make that call under the hoop. There's six bodies jumping under the hoop. No one is looking where they're landing. 
It was not a dirty play. I don't think Giannis is a dirty player. I don't think in any way whatsoever was he even thinking about where he was landing, where Kyrie was landing. He was trying to make a defensive play on the ball, and then he went up for a rebound. In no way whatsoever was that dirty. Do I? Does there need to be a fine line between what's a flagrant and what's not? Yes, because you could argue, okay, it's not a dirty play, but theoretically that's the exact rule that they just changed to become a flagrant. Now, I don't know if in that rule book it says nothing in the paint, or it right. says, you know, not under the rim or in the in the restricted zone. But to answer your question, it was not dirty. I think just like with the 10-second free throw rule, we are very inconsistent this year. All refs are. Because you could literally give Giannis that call every time. You could say he's, he's waiting 10 seconds to shoot the free throw. So a lot of rules to me are up in the air in terms of what gets a flavor and what doesn't. Fine. That wasn't a dirty play. And I think people saying that should settle down. He in no way was he trying to hurt anybody or, or meant to land. I don't think it was a dirty play. I do think it was a foul. I think that there should have been a foul called. I agree. I agree. Um, so that's And you sucked, heard the, the, the commentators at halftime say as well. Uh, they should have upgraded it to flagrant. They said, they said hey, yeah. they have all of halftime to look at this. Yeah. Um, whatever. Look, it happened. It was, it was a shitty injury. Uh, like I said earlier, basically drains the nets of any momentum they had in that first half. So then after the Kyrie injury, it was the who on offense will help out and off Kevin Durant. And the answer was nobody. Jeff Green is not all the way back health-wise. He was just getting his playing legs under him in this one. Blake Griffin, weirdly enough, did not see the court for the majority of the second half. And a lot of fans thought he was hurt. The commentators mentioned something about him possibly being hurt. I think Steve Nash said after the game, they just they didn't see a, a need to put him back in, and and when the game was pretty much over in the fourth quarter, I didn't really get that. Um, but yeah, we didn't see a lot of Blake Griffin. Mike James came in, looked like a backup junior varsity point guard. He just played as bad as I think he's played since since he was signed by the Nets. Um, and then finally, Joe Harris. He continues to drive a knife through the hearts of Nets fans with his shooting woes. Uh, this was also evident in their game three loss too. He's just in a really bad slump, especially on the road. And, uh, that's the reason why we lost. I I mean, Kevin Durant had 28 points on nine of 25 from the field. It was an off night for him and you needed someone else to step up after Kyrie got hurt and nobody was willing to take on that challenge. It sucks to, uh, you know, I'm going to get emotional talking about Joe Harris going cold because he has been the heart and soul and the backbone of this team all season. He's been consistently healthy. He's been consistent from three-point line. He's upped his drive game substantially. I mean, he pump fakes. He's a threat. He can finish with both hands. He can finish front, back, end, reverse, like over a big man. He, he There's times where he uses his body and shields play, um, Brooke Lopez and finishes lefty on the nice opposite-hand layup. So – to watch Joe Harris struggle, and I know we're not on game three yet, but that shot, that a wide open two he had from the elbow to make it a three-point game with under 20 seconds left, that was heartbreaking. So, listen, are we in panic mode on Joe Harris specifically? Yes. Oh, yes. No. Uh, no. Okay. You, okay. You, first of all, one of 11 in game three was, was awful, terrible. Three of eight in game four is subpar, but that's not as alarming as one of 11. That's what we call an improvement game over game. A slow one and, and not a promising one, but he hit a couple uh, open threes. So 
Joe Harris has been extremely disappointing. But here's what I'll say about this game as a whole. Once Kyrie went down, we no longer played like a team. It was panic. Oh, shit. I know we keep using the word panic. This was panic mode. This was SOS. Give the ball to Durant. And no matter what happens, clear out and let him shoot, right? And that's not the way you win a basketball game. And that's not the way Durant thrives at his best either. Durant isn't an every play ISO guy. This isn't LeBron James on those early 2010 Cavs teams or the late, I guess, before 2010, before he went to the Heat. So those, you know, 2007, 8, 9 Cavs teams where he was making an all-star out of Mo freaking Williams and Booby Gibson. Durant doesn't do that. He's not a full two-way takeover, get everyone, get all the momentum and uh, get all the attention his way, dish it out to people. He's going to just end up shooting every time. So what our offense became was no distribution, was no strategy, was no rhythm. There were no cuts. There were no one really trying to make the next pass. It was give it to Durant and clear out. So he ended up playing way too many minutes in the second half. He wasn't even having a great shooting game to start before Kyrie went out. And now you're putting all your eggs in the one basket that wasn't even a a hot basket to begin with. So he's now, you know, shooting 38, 40% on the day, continuously shooting 38, 40%. We're giving the ball to him every single time. Um, And and we were forcing the ball in his hands. We were causing turnovers, just trying to get him the ball. Jeff Green, Jeff Green in his first game back, takes a charge in the first minute, which was fucking awesome. That was a great – on Giannis. On Giannis. But then – offensively, he was nowhere to be seen. This was a guy averaging 11 points a game in the regular season, shooting 50% from the field. From the field, His best, efficient, most efficient shooting career uh, season of his career, which is over a decade. The dude's in his mid-30s. So the fact of the matter was nobody scored in double digits besides KD and Kyrie Irving, who finished with 11 Irving because obviously he left super early on in the game. Green, 8. Blake Griffin, 8. Joe Harris, 8. To me, Spen, this wasn't even a matter of our team being cold. It was nobody had the confidence to step up and take shots. Nobody said, hey, you know what? Kyrie's out. Durant's not having his greatest game. He's getting tired. I need to step up and start pulling up from from three, or I need to pump fake and draw foul. Just some sort of momentum to help my team out, and I saw that from nobody. So uh, Kevin Durant had an off night. You brought it up. I talked about it. Uh, Here were three things that went wrong Tonight for KD, I'm sorry, that for game four and the Brooklyn Nets. Number one, KD's shot was off and nobody else on the team really had the confidence to step up and hit shots after Kyrie went down. Number two, let's give P.J. Tucker a little credit. He was in Kevin Durant's grill all night in in game three, again in game four, um, playing physical defense, frustrating. the best Tucker game because he hit his shots too. Yes, 13 points for him, frustrating KD's rhythm for most of the night in game four. It wasn't as evident in game three, but game four, Tucker really got under his skin. And then finally, the third reason, the refs were letting the Bucks physically have their way with the Nets in game four, specifically Kevin Durant. And if the, if the refs are going to let both teams play physical, you and I both know that favors Milwaukee. And the thing I found interesting, Nick, a lot of fans blamed Kyrie's injury due to the ref's lack of setting a tone for the game early with foul calls and the ref's allowing Giannis to get away with that play. It was like an interesting thought process. I don't think one has to do with the other. I I do think the ref should have called it a little bit more closely, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you because the refs didn't call more fouls early on, that's why Kyrie Irving sprained his ankle. 
I'm not going to complain at all about the refs because I like when it's more physical play, right? The NBA's gotten soft. Everyone knows that. Everyone talks about it. Here's what I will say. In no way did this impact the game. This is not me saying this is why we lost. Blake Griffin does not get any calls. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Now, does he complain way more than he should? Yes. But if you look at the numbers specifically, dude, and don't get me wrong, the Bucs are a way more physical team. They drive a lot more. They battle in the paint. They're, I mean, their paint numbers beat us every single game. But the amount of free throws they shoot is always more than us. Now, I'm not saying it's getting called differently because, I mean, look at KD gets a lot of calls, probably just as much star treatment as Giannis does. But down low, we do not get a lot of calls. And Claxton and Griffin, and they bang with Lopez. They bang with Giannis down low. Um, but, no, I, I don't think you can say anything about the ref setting the tone for the reason that curve. That's literally a freak accident and nothing more. I, I agree with you on that. I also think that uh, the refs did not give Kevin Durant the same calls he was getting in the first two games. For some reason, they were just like, let PJ be physical with him. And the funny thing is, I think Tucker ended up with three or four fouls anyway. But he easily probably fouled Durant eight to ten times in that game. What I will also say, not and, and Tucker had his best game of the series, in my opinion, all the way around uh, in game four offensively and defensively, is it was a lot easier to guard Durant and to double Durant when no one else was a threat. So, yes, did they shut? Did they, did they make Durant's life, Durant's life as difficult as possible in Game 4? Yes, but, dude, he was getting doubled by Forbes, by Holiday, alongside Tucker every time he came up the floor. So let's not give Tucker all the credit for, for, for making Durant go cold. Did he have a great game? Yes, he was hitting his threes. That's a rarity for Peter Tucker, considering how right. ugly his fucking shot is. But they were literally swarming Durant the second he crossed out court. And we were still trying to get him the ball. The the other thing I want to uh, point out is everything went right for the Bucks offensively in this one. Giannis had 34 and, and 15, I think. Middleton had th- – right? Was that this game or the other game? Do you have the box score in front of you? I know, I know that Giannis went off. Giannis had, had 34. Middleton had 19. Okay, so Middleton had 19. Holiday had 14, right? Okay. Holiday bit, had 14. Forbes had 10. Tucker had 13. Right. My point is everything right on offense went the Bucks' way. The calls, the, the flow of the game, the physicality. I don't think the Bucs are going to play this well on offense again. I, I sort of hope that, but I just I, – I don't think so. I, I don't think that Tucker and Forbes and Middleton and Holiday and Giannis are all going to be in double figures in game five. I just don't. Um, before we move on to game three, I just want to give a big fuck you from my 50% of Fireside Nets to Glenn Big Baby Davis. After Kyrie Irving hurt his ankle, Davis went on Instagram and basically wrote something about karma being a bitch – and Kyrie deserving it because he stepped on the Celtics logo. Uh, and then he doubled down with an Instagram video, basically just saying he's a Celtic for life. Kyrie disrespected Lucky. Lucky got his revenge and then yelled he's got weak ankles like nine times into the phone at, at the end of the video. Um, just fucking hated that. What are your thoughts, Nick? I mean, that's just really shitty. That's just like a real dick move. Like, I, you know, call call it karma when someone gets cold. Call it karma when someone misses a game winner. You know, when Dame Lillard waved at PG uh, when he was on the Thunder after. Like, is that a is that a, a, a douche move? Yes. But is it warranted? Yes. And is it understandable? Don't ever wish 
like injury or pain upon someone. That's just not cool. Listen, we have been Giants fans our whole life and we have hated Tom Brady, right? Like with like and our father speaks of Tom Brady as if he's the devil. We don't want Tom Brady to break his legs. We'll joke about it. We don't want Tom Brady to get hurt. And the same as a Celtics fan, a Nets fan, a Bucks fan, we don't want to win this series because Giannis goes out with, with a with a torn ACL. Do we want to win the series? Yes. Would we be happy to win the series no matter what? Yes. We're never going to cheer. We're never going to root for that. Even the Bucks showed respect in Milwaukee by clapping for Kyrie when he walked off the bench. So no matter who you're a fan of when he walked off the court, you show respect. You wish everyone remains healthy because at the end of the day, we're human beings. They're human beings, not just athletes, and their health comes before their the, the way they play on the court. So just kind of a, a gross move from Big Baby. Ironically, he was a former NBA player. You'd think he would share that sort of uh, narrative with you that you know you shouldn't rip on people when they get hurt, but I, I guess he doesn't. It also that, that's the kind of shit that just fuels me up and it makes me want the Nets to succeed that much more. So if the Nets somehow are able to get out of this series and move on and eventually get to the championship, whatever, we can go to Glenn Davis and be like, yo, remember when you put out that awful video basically celebrating Kyrie Irving's sprained ankle? Yeah, fuck it's, you. It's we not worth it. He's a nobody. He's a nobody coming out of somebody. Last thing I'll say about game four before we move on to game three is, and maybe this is just me because I know I was texting you this at the end of the game. The Nets were, were kind of out of contention, right? We were we were falling between like the down 12 to down 20, maybe not, I don't know if we hit 20, down 12 and 18. We were kind of in that range of deficit in all in the whole fourth quarter, right? We were cutting at one point, we were cutting it to 10, we'd go back down 16, we cut it to 12. Nash pulls the entire starting lineup, the entire top five who was trying to keep us in the game at the five-minute mark. We were down 14 points. Now hear me out on this. Did the game seem completely out of contempt at this point? Yes. Were we being dominated by the Bucs? Did they have all the momentum? Was anybody hitting shots, including KD? Not really, but we were still lingering. And last time I checked, a 14, 15 point game is a five to six, five to six possession game. And with five minutes left, you are guaranteed those possessions. So to me, was my confidence high? Would I have bet on the Nets to come back? No. But with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, when it's a 14 or 15 point game, you keep your best players in. They cut it. They they bring that to 20 with three or four minutes left. Fine. Pull everybody. We cut that. We literally hit two threes. That's all we would need. And with four minutes left, we're down eight or four minutes left. We're down nine. So that's not, I don't think the Nets were going to come back to win. The odds were not in our favor. The Bucs really had the game carried away with them. But to me, that was way too early to give up on any sort of comeback because stranger things have happened than a comeback down 15 points with five minutes left when KD was on the court. That's all I'm going to say about that. As a fan, I will agree with you, but as like putting myself in Steve Nash's shoes, knowing the minutes that Kevin Durant and the starters played in that game, they were gassed, and I just – I understand. Playoffs, like, I know, it's but it's playoffs. also you live to fight another day. What if Durant gets a gets an injury in those final four minutes? What if he hit four threes and they came back? And now they're look. We'll never know. We'll never. Nash made a decision. I, I'm saying I understand it from the you know I, I want to save my guys from themselves mindset. Ironically, that's what the Nets have been doing all year. That that literally let's sit this guy out longer than he needs to. Let's make sure this guy's 100 healthy. And that's something that. A lot of Knicks fans, and and I want to shout out Alex B., Mike Bisegli's co-host on Bad Weather Fans. 
Um, a lot of Knicks fans have been pretty critical of the Nets' decision to do that and kind of – I don't want to say the word baby their players because I don't think when, when you're um, worried about a player's physical health, I don't think there's any babying going on. But a lot of them thought in, in, in moments where maybe KD or Harden or Kyrie could have came back and played, the Nets sacked them out a little bit later. And they think it's, it's kind of karma that all of a sudden, after resting our guys for the majority of the year – now they're getting hurt again, and, and and we still can't see this big three stay healthy on the floor together. Uh, it just sucks. It, it absolutely sucks. But I want to move on to game three, Nick. Um, first game in Milwaukee, Bucks 86, Nets 83, much closer than game four. Uh, you brought up Joe Harris's missed mid-range shot earlier. He had a chance to push the lead to three. He missed the wide-open jumper. Drew Holiday comes back. It's a big spinning layup to get Milwaukee uh, the lead, 84-83, with I think around 20 seconds left. Then you have the Bruce Brown bizarre play. He unexpectedly drives the lane and, and misses the contested layup over Brooke Lopez, of all people. That's who you're going to try to shoot over. No one liked that decision. But but he had a step on him. I Listen, I was pissed yeah. about that play because it was Durant's time. Durant had just hit the last like, four shots to keep him in yeah. the game. Bruce Brown made the right decision. He had a step on Brooke Lopez. His mistake was going up lefty and away from Brooke Lopez. Yes. What you do is you either go up right because you because you went up because Brooke was trailing him right. Okay, so if he went up from the right side, which is a strong hand, he would have shielded Brooke with his body, and most likely Brooke would have had to foul him or wouldn't have been able to get to him. Or he tries to dunk it, which Brooke would have absolutely had to either make an incredible block or foul him. So the choice Bruce Brown made, no offense, was a softy decision to say, instead of going up and trying to bang with Brooke Lopez, giving myself the best opportunity to get fouled, he faded away left side, giving Brooke Lopez really just a chance to fully uh, extend and mess up his shot, and therefore his layup looked like an idiotic brick. So I liked Bruce Brown's chutzpah because at the end of the day, he had 16 points. He literally, in that first half, could not miss those floaters. He, 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 kept, those floaters us, he kept us in the game in the second quarter uh, when the Bucks went up big. Bruce Brown literally brought the Nets back with those floaters. 16 points for him. Him and Kevin Durant were really the only two guys to show up on offense. And let me say this about that 16 points. I got to call Clutch Points out uh, for an article. ClutchPoints.com put out an article saying – Duran and Irving were the only players in double digits in game four with every single other net scoring less than 10 points. That's true. But then they said game three, same exact thing. I'm sorry, clutch points. That's not true. Bruce Brown had 16 points. Okay. So I get for the article, it sounds cool. Like game three, question mark, same thing. Like that's very dramatic writing. I get that. But you are a reputable sports media brand report accurately. Okay, over dramatically. Bruce Brown had 16 points, and I don't want that to go unnoticed because he played this hard out. Got a little too much confidence at the end there, but had a fantastic game. Uh, I wanted everyone to picture the Nick Young gif when he shoots the three-pointer and turns around to celebrate, and then you see the ball rattle around the rim and not go in the basket. That's what you get, clutch points. It wasn't a very clutch point on your end. No. But getting back to this game, we lost by three. It was an ugly, slow game. Nobody could hit a shot, really. I mean, look how low scoring the game was compared to anything else. Yes. Nets shot 36%. Buck shot almost 38%. We were 25% from three. They were 19% from three. It was just ugly all around. It was just slow moving. 
uh, uh, kind of sporadic possessions where nobody was putting together any sort of series of momentum or streaking uh, scoring-wise. Now, yes. to me, this was a game we could have e- it could have easily won our way. This was neither team stepping forward, and literally it's anybody's game. And, and we, had, Harris, we had a chance, Nick, to tie it, too. Middleton hits the two free throws. We have the ball with two and a half seconds left. Kevin Durant misses a one-legged three that he easily could have made. So I just wanted to say there were multiple opportunities for the Nets to either steal or tie this game. I 100% agree. The last thing I'll say, just in terms and, – and everybody who watched it, it was a slow – it was a slow – Boring game really until the last few minutes of the fourth quarter where it was basically Middleton and Durant taking turns points, which was really fun to watch. Both just hitting jumper after jumper. I I hate to put blame again on my guy, the most handsome guy in the league, one of my favorite players in the league, Joe Harris. I don't want to ever point and say, because it never comes down to a shot, right? It comes down to all four quarters. Joe Harris went one for 11. He hit a wide open elbow jumper to go up three with under 20 seconds left. He missed a wide open three with under two minutes left to kind of put us up five when Duran had given us a lead. I, I, I am not going to blame Joe Harris for this loss, but you are our best shooter. You are consistently one of the best three-point shooters in the league over the last three seasons. You know, you surpassed Duncan Robinson last year at the highest field goal percentage. You need, and whether or not it's this game and he wasn't able to do it in game four, he needs to come through. Because those shots we're going to give to him every time. And the Bucs aren't going to give it to him. We want him to shoot that. He is not going to be that open. So, Joe Harris, if you can hear me spiritually, I love you. You are a fantastic basketball player. Keep shooting. I don't care how much you know, you're deterred. You can't let your confidence get shaken. And as we saw, he got in his own head, as did the most of the Nets role players in game three and four. We have to have the confidence. We have to continue to believe, especially after the regular season we had. So uh, a disappointing game that that really could have swung our way. And props to the bookies, man. I mean, we won by 39 in game two, and they still gave the Bucs a a minus three and a half uh, in game four, which missed by a half a point, but still just insane. Middleton had 35 points and 15 boards. Giannis had 34 points and 14 boards. They were the only two guys in this game to show up offensively. And then obviously Drew Holiday hit the clutch layup, but I think he only had nine points in game three. Um, I was very upset at the end of this game. I, I thought we should have won. I thought we had so many opportunities to win. We didn't. Now we're tied 2-2. Uh, we talked about the general outlook of the series in the beginning of the show. Let's get to our actual Game 5 prediction. And, Nick, I have some up, update for you. Uh, James Harden, Malika Andrews tweets, is also out for Game 5. He will not be playing. So it will be Kevin Durant and company for the Brooklyn Nets. We got to give a prediction to the audience. Um, this sucks just having one of the big three. But, look, we've been here before. We can still win this game. My prediction it's going to be very close. I think that the Nets role players show up a lot more than they did in games three and four. I think you're going to be you're going to see a Joe Harris finally find his shot back in in Brooklyn. Bruce Brown will play big. Jeff Green has a game under his belt. He'll hit some shots. It's going to come down to the fourth, but but I, I think that the Nets at home will somehow prevail with no Kyrie and no Harden. I'm going to say the final score is 105 to 101 Nets over the Bucks. All right, it's obviously a Nets podcast, so we're we're 
vehemently optimistic no matter what happens to our team. You're, I'm, not, I'm not biased. I just gave you my factual yeah, you, prediction. Yeah, you've never predicted us losing ever, which is fine. Well, so I mean, we, I don't ever think we're going to lose. Here's what I'll say, okay? Bruce Brown is his. Bruce Brown will get his, you know, 8 to 16 points. He'll get 5 to 7 rebounds, 5 to 7 assists. He'll have, he'll have solid numbers. Durant is obviously going to go between 30 and 40. He has to. He's going to – if he's not even shooting a high percentage, he'll put up the volume to get to those points. So he will score 30 to 40. Here's what it comes down to for me, okay? Not Blake Griffin, not Mike James, not T- Ty Johnson. It's going to be Jeff Green and Landry Shamit. And I'll tell you Landry why. Shamet. Jeff Green is a starter. He was the guy in the regular season who would hit an open baseline three every time one of our superstars drew attention away from him. He was clutch. He had, he, what is he, 34? And he is slamming it over big men in that regular season. As a veteran player, he was giving us such energy and such leadership. He's consistent from the free throw line. He was consistent all year, mid-range three-pointer, wherever he was. Jeff Green has to come back. I know this is only his second game from injury, but he has to come back to full offensive force, if not more. He's got to give us a solid 16 to 20 points to put us in a position to supplement, to complement KD, to supplement Kyrie and Harden being out. For those of you who don't know, supplement would be more of like a replacing action. Complement would be an an adding and additive action. I'm explaining that to Spencer because he's looking at me like he has no idea what I'm talking about. What is which word? Landry Shamit when all these players get injured, is going to be a first guy to come off the bench and expect uh, uh, some sort of energy from, some sort of offensive streak from. And as we talked about at the beginning of the season, we brought Landry Shamit on here to be our Joe Harris off the bench, to be a knockdown three-point shooter when we need it most, and to be streaky, man. He was cold a lot of the season, but when he was hot, he was hot hitting four or five threes a game for a small sample size there. So he has that capability Landry Shamit has to be huge. And when I say huge, Landry Shamit's got to score over 20 points. You know, if he could literally come in and he could drive, he's quick to the hoop. To me, it's it's really a mental game with Shamit as well. But Shamit has to be a guy that creates a spark because I'm sorry, I, I don't believe it's going to be Mike James. He'll have no problem putting up the shots, but I don't believe it will be him to answer that call. So just to recap quickly, KD got to score 30 to 40. Jeff Green has to have a consistent and efficient 16 to 20. And Shamit's got to score over 20 points and be that guy who everyone goes, oh, man, if Shamit didn't step up, shit, we would have lost game five. And we also need a lot. uh, We somehow need to slow the momentum and the confidence down from Middleton and Giannis because they're feeling themselves right now. Can I give you a player who I think really needs to have a good game for the Brooklyn Nets? Are you going to say Nick Claxton? I'm going to say Blake Griffin. When Blake Griffin plays well, this team is a different monster. His energy, his kind of highlight hustle plays, some of his dunks in that first series really energize the team. If he can hit threes, there's a lot of things that Blake Griffin can do offensively that can help this team. And he hasn't done a bad job on Giannis. I mean, the first two games, Giannis really wasn't great. It was really games three and four where he came alive. So, yeah, just an overall improvement from this team. We need our guys to step up without Harden and without Kyrie. Um, let's move on to some goofy segments to end the podcast. You ready, Nick? Yeah. Not really goofy. They're, they're just segments that aren't related to the game. Um, but let's start with James Harden, who was recently appointed to the Saks Fifth Avenue board. 
So what, what Saks Fifth Avenue said in their press release, Mr. Harden brings expertise in helping to grow high potential consumer brands combined with a unique perspective as a notable fashion enthusiast. I think this is a genius move by Saks here. Every Nets game that James Harden doesn't play, fans are equally as wowed by his attire as they are by his play on the basketball court. Nobody in the NBA dresses cooler and fresher than James Harden. So just really, really genius move by Saks Fifth Avenue here to put James Harden on the board. Speaking of Saks, if you have one and you need it trimmed, manscaped.com. All right, enough of the Manscaped promos. People know where to get their stuff. Firesides, the promo code, all caps. Uh, what do you think of this move here, Nick? Good on both parties, right? This is a win-win? Yeah, honestly, Harden's got some serious swag. Uh, you know what was really funny? Who I think it was Chris Paul, who props to Chris Paul, has been absolutely crushing it as a 36-year-old and bringing the Suns to a sweep, wore like a, a Hawaiian T-shirt and a Hawaiian short-short combo outfit to I think it was game three. Suns Nuggets, so I got to give a shout out to Chris Paul too because that outfit was fire. But yeah, good for Saks Fifth, good for Harden. Uh, if he could play basketball instead of um, dressing up every game in cool swag, that would be preferred. But you know, beggars can't be choosers. And for those who don't know, um, our mother's maiden name was Saks, and her her mother, Mia Nick's grandma, who is is um, deceased. Dead. R.I.P. Grandma Barbara. She was a huge fan of Saks Fifth Avenue, and her last name was Saks. Fun fact. Fun fact. All right. Speaking of our mother, uh, this next segment is called Thank You, Mom. Thank you for making me read that Kevin Durant article in the New York Times by Sam Anderson. It was called The Moody Monkish Genius of Kevin Durant and the Hypothetically Unbeatable Super Team of Eccentric Basketball Superstars Built Around Him to Dominate the NBA Playoffs. The article came out on June 6th, and it was just an excellent read. I learned a lot about Kevin Durant. Um, that I really didn't ever hear on ESPN or on social media. Uh, some fun fact. Did you read the article, Nick, before I get into it? Nick no. is shaking his head, by the way. Uh, some fun facts uh, in the article. Basketball's like a religion to Kevin Durant. Um, he meditates, but he doesn't like do yoga and everything. He said shooting a free throw is meditation to him. So I thought that was interesting. He has a unique perspective on human beings in general. And he sort of explained uh, why he interacts with with trolls and haters on social media. So I thought it was interesting to actually hear his perspective and not everybody in the media's perspective. Um, and and I just there were some great quotes in the article, Nick. Here here's one quote. I'll read you. I just wanted your reaction to this. He uh, Durant said, "There's a lot of stuff that we get distracted by or we're chasing to make us feel a certain way. When it's really basic." We should just be experiencing everything as human beings as much as we can, being normal amongst each other. Okay. All right. So thank you for that reaction. Um, you know, for the listeners out there, my brother, Nick, he's a screenwriter and, and he's a director and he has a ton of uh, short films out and, and he's working on projects. So I know he's going to make it one day. And I actually, I, I wanted to come up with a title for the future or the interview in the future when you get uh, a piece in the New York times about you. So you want to hear the title I come up with? Okay. Okay. The sexually frustrated mind of Nick Shanman and his terribly inappropriate banter that leads to failed opportunities in every romantic relationship he pursues. Here are the first few lines of the article. 
Do any of you guys love telling or receiving a great penis joke on the first date? Nick does. And even though it always results in his dates walking out on him, you won't believe this guy's commitment to making it work. It's pretty good. That's pretty good, right? Um, yeah. But I don't make penis jokes with a woman. All right. We're going to. Unless end- you've gotten like pretty close. <laughs> We're going to end the podcast because we talked about Nick. We talked about my mom. Nick kind of mentioned our dad, but uh, I kind of wanted to do a quick segment called I'm Sorry, Dad. We did Thank You, Mom. This one's called I'm Sorry, Dad. I'm sorry for ripping on you in the last pod. That was wrong of me, and I should learn to respect my elders. Uh, You, after all, were my co-host for the most successful pod that we've ever done on Fireside Nets. So shout out to the biggest James Bond fan I know, Kevin Shanman. Yeah, that's a pretty sick stat you pulled out there. Are you bringing him to the game tomorrow or what? Ooh, I might. No, no, no. If I have any other tickets, you're coming with. Yeah, I'd love to go very badly. I haven't even gotten the tickets yet. By the way, he's saying tomorrow because we record on Monday night, but you're listening on Tuesday. So you can't do that because you say tomorrow, people get confused. Sorry to confuse everyone. The moral of the story is spend sucks. Go to manscaped.com. All right. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Please connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Follow me and Nick's personal social media accounts if you'd like. Um, I'll most likely be at the game later today. So if you want to meet up, grab a beer, talk Nets at halftime, after the game, before the game. Just shoot me a, a DM on Twitter, and, and I'll try to make it happen. I'm not. I'm not going to hit you up. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> catch you on the fire side. Terrible. That was terrible. awful. It's, it's a good show, though.